Rabbi Meir Hecht is the Rav of Chabad of Evanston and the personal rabbi of Judith and Natalie Ranan, the first two hostages to be released. He's been a source of inspiration for Jews and non-Jews alike, and he's been ubiquitous on so many different uh, media outlets. Uh, rabbi Hecht, thank you so much for taking the time to be on Vin News. My pleasure to be able to talk to the Haredi world. Yes, exactly, and it's a big schuss, I think, for the Haredi world, and for us to have you here. It's been a harrowing few weeks, needless to say, for the Ranan family and you and your community amongst the rest of Klal Yisrael. And of course, this past Erev Shabbos, we found out the incredible news. I'm curious how you found out, how you discovered and learned that the Ranans were being released. Were you given advance notice, or did you find, were you as shocked as the rest of us to hear the news? First, I have to say that the what what Klal Yisrael is going through today and the news that we all received on Simchas Torah, Shminat Saras, Simchas Torah, is uh, just really painful. And when we're going about to talk about uh, the the Er, a little bit of a glimpse of light of Giloy uh, Alikos, a little bit of the miracles that we're able to see through this Chayshech, the incredible. A painful darkness and gullus that we're witnessing and Kalal Yisrael is experiencing. So it's it's really, really important to first and foremost um, recognize that there are so many that in Kalal Yisrael that are suffering and in pain and uh, the families of all the murdered and the, the families of the hostages, the hostages themselves. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to rejoice when we know what is really going on in Eretz today. So that's first and foremost. Uh, we in Evanston have a, this uh, close kesher to um, the the hostage situation, as everyone knows. Judith and Natalie Ranan are members of our Chabad house. They come to our shul regularly, primarily the mother Judith is a Yudit, is a regular at our shul every Shabbos, Yomtev, a really special part of our community. And uh, when we got the news right after Yom Tif, uh, when I turned on my phone, you know, of course, like everyone throughout the Shminat the news slowly was trickling in and uh, we're hearing a little more, bigger numbers and bigger numbers of, of uh, Harugim and, and uh, starting to hear about hostages. And then right after Yom Tif, I turned on my phone and someone sent me a picture uh, from family members that had already said that they believe the J- Judith and Natalie to be hostages. So of course it was devastating for us all in a way that is much more personal, I would say, than uh, um, just another another name. Although there is no one in Klal Yisrael who feels like it's just another. It's all our brothers and sisters. Yes, we uh, did everything we can to try to to get the community together, strengthen each other, to get the word out. We sent sent out a notice on uh, by email and on our Facebook that members of our Kihila appear to be part of the hostages, uh, hostages in Gaza, and we're asking everyone to please daven for them. That notice somehow made its way to a news anchor here in Chicago who called me the next day and asked if he'd come talk about it. I said, sure. He comes by and we do this little brief interview. And next thing I know, I'm getting calls from news anchors from all the local uh, television stations. They all want to talk about an interview. And just to get the time frame, 
I'm sorry to interrupt. That was that was right after Simchas Torah. That was on Monday. So that would have been on the first. The first call was on Monday, and by Tuesday it was out of control. Uh, right. Okay. So and and, and the, I realized at that moment that I have a unique opportunity, and really it's a responsibility to bring a message, to share a message with whatever networks are going to come my way and uh, to talk about Yiddishkeit, to talk about Emunah Sashem, to talk about Bitachin, to talk about uh, tefillah and the power of tefillah, anything that can inspire people both, for, first and foremost, our brothers, Achenu Bnei Yisrael, and, uh, and beyond that, all of all of the world should hear a message, an uplifting, uplifting message. At some point, I was contacted by CNN, and uh, the this was uh, the Caitlin Collins show. I know nothing about CNN. This is the first time I heard of uh, that particular show, and um, I was asked if I could do a live interview on television, and which to which I agreed, and. Uh, Doing that show um, made me realize that I have a, a responsibility to speak about Torah and mitzvahs and to speak about betachen and the power of tefillah, which I did. Many of you have seen that clip. And yeah. then little by little, you know, the, the story started, started spreading. Back to Friday, this last Friday. Um, you know, we we started hearing the news, the little trickles right after Hamas announced the announced that they were releasing hostages on their Telegram channel. Within minutes after someone had messaged me, luckily I got a first message, advance notice, because then my phone didn't stop ringing. Every network and channel, not only local, literally from around the world was calling to see if I had any information, which I had none, no, no real information at the time. That's exactly but you found out about it basically through the media like everybody else? Yeah, uh, for all practical purposes. I mean, eventually it got confirmation from the family, but the media was on it long before the family got <laughs> formal confirmation. Sure. Uh, well, you know, not long before, you know, it took, it was a span of uh, about an hour, I should say. Right. So just to backtrack for a moment before talk about what happened next. Um, after I did this uh, CNN interview, I got quite a few communications from random people around the country, all in the U.S., um, both Jews and non-Jews alike. I got phone calls. I got random emails of people who said to me, that they were so inspired they never hear anyone on CNN say the kind of things that I said. And um, it was so inspiring and uplifting. And please, Rabbi, if you can do more of that on CNN. This is the kind of message that I've got from random people around the country who I've, I've never met or heard of before. Jews or, or, or even non-Jews? Both Jews and non-Jews alike. I, I felt that when I saw you making these appearances, I said, wow, what a conduit somebody, a, a, a shliach hamakam, who is spreading a message that people are so desperate to hear, 
because we're in such tar and doing it so eloquently, articulately, and with such clarity and, and, and MS. Thank you. I, I felt like this was a unique shlichus from the Rabbi yeah. Nishalaylam that was given to me Clearly. at this time. And I felt like I, I have to do it. Like, I don't, no one else is being given the platform to do it. I'm being given the platform. How could I not do this, uh, what's expected of me at this time? Wow. So uh, I, you know, I spoke to a few friends who know a thing or two about media just to get a couple tips. And uh, it went from there, from one to the next. But on Friday, after the news came out, by about, this was, I think the the confirmation was maybe around one o'clock Chicago time, two o'clock Eastern, approximately something like that. I was in my car doing carpool, pick up my kids from school. My phone is ringing nonstop from all kinds of networks. And I'm like, I don't, I'm telling you, I don't, I have no idea. I don't know. I, I don't have confirmation. I spoke to the family. They hadn't heard yet anything confirmed by the time I got home with my kids from school I already had reporters swarming at my house wow so from there I just told reporters yeah sure come you know and whatever and well well I'll talk to you I'll give you I'll I'll say something it was about three o'clock on Friday afternoon and um, I was inside trying to get the house ready for Shabbos and I told the reporter they'll come out soon to speak to. I had to gather some thoughts together. I had to prepare myself a little bit. Um, by the time I came outside my house, there was a full press conference set up that I had not expected, didn't ask for, and had nothing to do with. Um, but again, like I said, it felt like, okay, they put all these cameras and microphones in front of me. I don't have a choice. I have to speak and give a message to the world. So I did that. And at the same time, I'm getting calls from CNN, uh, BBC, and other networks asking if I could do live interviews. So many of you have seen the Jack, uh, Jake Tapper interview that was done on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Every time it was around four o'clock Chicago time. Wow. Uh, very close to Shabbos. And um, just after that, I did a second interview before Shabbos with the the uh, Caitlin Collins show that had interviewed me a few days earlier, the one that many of you had seen, they wanted to do a follow-up. I told them that it has, I have to do it before Shabbos and that they have to, they have to uh, say on ear, make it clear that it was taped before Shabbos. Good point. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know how many of you saw that, that clip. I wasn't even sure if it would eventually ear, but after Shabbos, they sent me the clip from CNN. And I was really very touched when I saw um, that clip actually air. So first of all, this is a, a this is a, a CNN anchor on air in front of millions of people saying that I had a chance to speak with Rabbi Hecht before the Sabbath began by him. Wow. By, and by the way, I'll just interject for a second. Jake Tapper, and we're going to get to more of what he discussed with you later, the Rukhniest aspect of it, but he actually said, have a good Sabbath at the end of his interview with you. I'm, it's, it's surreal. I'm watching CNN, watching you in your full garb, by the way, you know, watching you with the hat on your head, and uh, he's telling you, have a good Sabbath. It's it's fascinating. But yeah, continue. Yeah, that, that was something that it's... I I couldn't have asked for that any, any better, but uh, he did it. 
And then, like you mentioned, the, the Ruchnius, he said he'll talk about that soon. Yeah. I want to just get back to the Caitlin Collins for a moment. Yeah. The CNN show. Before interviewing me, she told me, she said, she said, Rabbi, I want you to know that after we had you on the show, we got incredible feedback from people who were tremendously inspired by your message. And therefore, I want to make sure that you, I wanted to make sure that we could talk to you again. Wow. She said that to me off the air. But then later on, and I didn't even realize she actually said it on air. And I'll read to you with, uh, for a moment. I have it in front of me. She, the, you can watch it. It's uh, The clip is online. And she says this on air. Um, first, you know, at the beginning of the recording, she says that it was recorded. I had a chance to speak with Rabbi Hecht before the Sabbath began. And then towards the end of the clip, she says, Rabbi Meir Hecht, we got so many positive responses after we spoke to you the first time. So having you on tonight is really special. I felt like, you know, it's. I'm trying to give a message that should inspire people. And here, an anchor on CNN is saying that indeed, between all this chayshech, all this darkness that they're promoting on these networks, the anchor herself is saying that people are inspired by a little bit of kedusha that is uh, that is sneaking its way. <laughs> through the airwaves of CNN. A lot of Kedusha and uh, from a very pure heart. But yeah, uh, this is really, it's riveting. It's absolutely riveting. And we keep seeing this. We keep seeing that uh, among a tremendous amount of darkness and Tsar, so much Kedusha Hashem, so much Achtos. But your, your role in this, your unique role in this is very, very powerful. Thank you. So so then the next thing... Uh, also, Erev Shabbos, I did a live BBC interview. Uh, and you got to close to Shabbos there. It's amazing. It was, it was, but that was only half the story. The other half of the story is our house is, we're trying to get our house ready for Shabbos. I have a house full of kids, Baruch Hashem. I can't go to an office or anywhere because I need to be home. I have all these networks and reporters outside my house. <laughs> so I need to do these interviews in my dining room. And the kids have to hide in some rooms so that it's quiet enough to do a TV interview. <laughs> uh, but that this is really the 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 most interesting part is that the 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 uh, reporters that were outside said to me, Rabbi, can we come and join your services tonight? Now, obviously, I couldn't have reporters at my Shabbos services, so. But I thought to myself, one minute, they want to come and be a part of our, like, to, they want to broadcast Shabbos to the world. I, I, how could I say, I need to figure out a way to do this. So I went and I discussed it with my wife. And we say, you know what? We're making a candle lighting vigil of Shabbos, lighting Shabbos candles. We're going to have them come in. And right after, right after uh, candle lighting, we're setting them all out of the house. And so we, we told, we told the reporters, uh, Lichtenden was uh, uh, 5.40, 5.42. He said, 5.35 sharp, everyone's invited inside, and you're going to come in for, for a te 10 minutes, and you have to go out of the house, and they all said, fine. We had about 25-plus um, TV crews. In, besides TV, there were also newspapers, and uh, AP was there, the, the, these beautiful pictures of this candle lighting that were 
put in papers around the world. There's a huge, beautiful picture uh, printed in the next morning in the Chicago Sun-Times of my wife and daughter lighting Shabbos candles. Um, and and the, the images of, of Shabbos candle lighting was broadcast throughout the world. So this uh, while while we're doing the doing these live interviews, getting the house ready for Shabbos, our house all of a sudden had to be turned over <laughs> for for twenty five plus uh, teams of of media networks that came into the house for candle lighting. And we had guests coming, and it was it was topsy turvy to say the least. But it it was an unbelievable kiddush Hashem because we were able to broadcast lighting of Shabbos candles. And I spoke about how the light of uh, uh, the, the light of Shabbos brings in Menucha into the world. And uh, I gave a message of what Shabbos is all about and, and the, the Ur over Chayshech. You know, you never know which pieces are picked up by which network, but that was most of the message that I tried to convey um, as we're lighting the Shabbos candles. And you see, you see the imagery of um, my wife and daughter and all the all the Yiddish women that were there, who uh, lit lit Shabbos candles in my dining room before Shabbos in in uh, TV and newspapers all around the world. Amazing, it sends shivers down your spine, and uh, the fact that they're embracing Yiddishkeit and they're embracing you know the the, the is the way they are shows you probably how impacted a lot of these you know these journalists are, and they recognize the incredible significance and chashivas. Like I said, I do want to get to the, the some more Jake Tapper, but before that, I, I I know you had a chance to speak with Judith and Natalie since their release at least once, if not more. Uh, are you able to describe to some degree what that was like? I heard you say in an interview that you can't reveal all the details, but what it was like, what, what details you are able to reveal, what their state of mind is right now and their family? Yeah, so like you said, I I can't say too much. We've spoken a number of times and we're in touch. Number one. Um, the first conversation was on Matzah Shabbos. Obviously, we couldn't speak before that it was Shabbos in Eretz Yisrael. Right. Wow. Uh, on Matzah Shabbos late in the night when it was morning, Sunday morning in Eretz Yisrael, my wife and myself had this uh, beyond belief opportunity to to speak with Judith Yudit. I could say that the the moment that we heard her voice on the phone is probably one of the most incredible, joyous and moving moments of my life. And something that is, I, I don't know, I can't explain it. It's like, it's almost like hearing someone like Mechaia Mason. Right. It's not, Matir Asurim is, is, a, is such a low level right. for someone who's in the hands of Hamas. You know, you never you never know if you're ever going to see them again, if they're even alive, right? It, right. To hear their voice, it's like Mamish Mechaia Mason. That's what went through my head. And um, it, it, you've, I felt like like I'm literally talking to to this open miracle, a Ness Goloi that that's on the other side of the of the line. Um, she expressed this really powerful strength of character, how she was defiant uh, at, for Kedusha, um, not giving, I don't want to give it away too many details, but really, uh, really strong in terms of uh, not letting her betachin and Hashem waver for even a moment. Wow. She told us that she was absolutely certain that she was going to get out. There was no, it wasn't a question because wow. Hashem is with her. Like her amuna and betachin was, 
was was absolute the entire time. And um, yeah, it, it was it was really out of worldly. It's very hard to describe. Yeah, I'm sure. Unbelievable. I mean, really, truly things that we never imagined we'd be discussing or seeing. And here you are. But uh, that's amazing. All right. So uh, as I said, you spoke with Jake Tapper on Friday and I watched it and I you know, he was clearly distraught by, and he's been distraught. I, I've been, you know, following Jake Tapper for the last few weeks, it's particularly because he sincerely, clearly, it seems to be very sincere that he's distraught about the whole horrific situation. He's very emotional. It's very clear that this is hitting him in a very deep place. And he let that out with you. You know, he said, as a rabbi, he he said, listen, I'm a journalist, so I ask tough questions. As a rabbi, how can you make sense of all this? And I thought your response, you know, was incredible, especially responding to the most, you know, perhaps the most difficult philosophical Hushkovic question that anybody can ask you. And he, he was asking you on live television. Like, were you taken aback by that question? And what what went through your head? Tell us about that. Taken aback is an understatement. I, I was I was blown away. <laughs> As he's asking the question, I'm thinking in my head, like, whoa, what are you doing to me? This is so unfair. You're putting me in... In, in the hot seat, and I have no idea what I'm what I'm getting myself into. Um, but uh, inside, I I thought to myself, I said, Hashem, at this moment, I have an opportunity to give over the the emunah Hashem to give over uh, an, an amazing amount of uh yoyna that allowed me to just uh, sheer the light of Hashem at this moment, please put the words into my mouth that I need to say. And I, I didn't even know what I said until I watched it later. So I'm I'm glad it's something that was cohesive and made sense because on the moment I had no clue what I said. <laughs> I was just like, Hashem, g- give me the words because I don't know how to answer this question. It was more yeah. than cohesive. It was it was beyond cohesive. Yeah, you 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 spread a message of, you know, while accepting and being macabre the question, like I said, the impossible age-old question, uh, it, it was a beautiful answer. I watched it a couple of times, and uh, you know, if if I could, if I may say so, I I, I think it was perfect. I think I think he, from what I could tell, you know, was macabre. Uh, you know, and uh, again, these are things that are so far beyond us. All right, Rabbi Hecht, I will let you go on that note, Rabbi Mayor Hecht. I just have to tell you, as we uh, mentioned earlier, Hakadosh Baruch Hu chose you for a certain shlichus over here. It's that's not me having any kind of ruach hakodesh. That's just what we're all seeing. And speaking to you, and even before I spoke to you, seeing you, uh, you know, on, on all the different appearances you made, I, you know, as, I can't understand the ways of Kaddish Baruch Hu, but we can all see very clearly that you are impacting maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, it's possibly possible millions of people and helping us uh, cope with something and not just cope with something, but grow from a situation of such darkness, bringing the light. And uh, it's 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 just amazing. I really have just such admiration and I really wanted to tell you you know how much uh, how grateful I am. Thank you. Uh, it's it, it's really a a, a moment of katointi. It's something that I was not prepared for, never dreamt of, and don't know why I was chosen for this. But I did recognize at the when it was thrown on my lap that it's my responsibility, and I tried to my best to to do it as best as I can. Um, the you know, Machasid, the Mashliach of the Rebbe, and the Rebbe always taught that in the hardest moments, it's our responsibility to bring oil at a time of Chayshach. 
before the Six Day War, when the whole world was was uh, reeling in fear and uh, thought that it's going to be another Holocaust, um, that that was the feeling at the time, and everyone who was there talks about it in that way. The Rebbe got up in public in front of the whole world and said that there's going to be Nisim and Flois and we are going to win and Am Yisrael is going to come out on the top. But in order to do that, we need to strengthen the Torah mitzvahs. And the Rebbe asked the children to, to, uh, uh, to, to daven and to, and to increase their mitzvahs. This was by Lag Boimer prayed. Um, and uh, the Rebbe asked all of Am Yisrael. That was when the Rebbe began the, 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 Tefillin campaign, Mifta Tefillin, where Chabad uh, Chassidim go around and put on uh, Tefillin with uh, Yidin, who otherwise wouldn't do it. At that time, before the Six-Day War, hundreds of thousands of Jews in Eretz Yisrael put on Tefillin for their first time, or first time in a very long time. There was an incredible Osiris was broadcast in all the media at the time. Today, we're seeing the same thing. The Osiris of Klal Yisrael to increase and strengthen Torah Mitzvahs at this time is beyond belief. I just heard a story today um, that an organization offered any they offered any soldier that wants to wear tzitzis, they're going to give them a pair for free. They they got rid of 50, not got rid of, they distributed 50,000 pairs of tzitzis in no time. Wow. Because everyone wants. <laughs> I, I've heard that there's nowhere to buy tefillin in Eretz Yisrael because uh, every, every last pair is being taken by people who are making the commitment to start putting on tefillin, shmiras kashros, shmiras shabbos, and things that are that that uh, there's a yisoyros by klal yisrael in in a way that we haven't seen in a very long time. Maybe, you know, maybe in in in, in all of our lifetime. And uh, yeah. all I could say is that there's I have no doubt that uh, all of this is leading to to better times, and uh, we we really. Klal Yisrael deserves the peace and harmony to see Mashiach, the days of Mashiach, the times of Agula, Mitas Vashlema, there should be no more pain, no more suffering, because HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu knows that even though Hayinu Lag Vakeles Bagoyim, and uh, we've had Tevach, and the, the worst has already been, is already behind us, but Shimcho Shachachnu, that is certain, so Noal Tishkachinu, we say HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Take us out of Gullus. Amen. We'll leave it on that note. Rabbi Mayor Hector Rav of Chabad of Evanston and an extremely, extremely special person. Thank you so much for being here on the VIN podcast. Thank you so much for having me.